you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ, Bucky, and Rhett uh, back with you. Boys, uh, how are we doing? I did not get the memo on the matching shirt once again. I've come up a little short. I apologize to you both. Uh, but, Buck, it's good to see you, man. How are you doing? Man, I'm good. I, I was just trying to be in line. I saw you guys jump on with your, your blues. I was like, well, I guess I need to uh, be compliant yeah. uh, when it comes to that. Now you're like the Eagles. Here I am. Just mm-hmm. singing the blues today, baby. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, hey, you know what? Nice transition. Nice t- transition, right? Because it is time for, you. Uh, for the Monday night recap. Um, look, we can start at the end. Red, you want to jump in here? I'll let you do it. But this, you know, we'll get to the to the first three uh, quarters of this ball game, But really... The end of the game, Drew Locke, the Seattle Seahawks, that drive 92 yards. I think that's where we got to start. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think uh, Buck had a terrific tweet last night uh, following, you know, it had been around Drew Locke. I'd love to get your perspective on the journey that he's had over the course of the last few years. Um, Obviously, was a part of the Russell Wilson trade that uh, ended, uh, brought him to Seattle from Denver, where he did have a stint as the guy in Denver. Didn't quite work out. For whatever reason, um, you know, the Broncos weren't a great team over the course of those few years there. But here's the thing that I keep coming back to. I mean, the dude had tools. Like, we knew it all along. Like, even, mm-hmm. you know, even in the draft process, you knew this dude could throw the heck out of the football. And it was a matter of, you know, putting it all, to get, uh, putting it all together, figuring out, you know, how to find the right play caller, the right playmakers. And, man, he's got all of that here in Seattle. And I love that he improved a little bit after getting that second opportunity to start this week, right? Didn't go as well as he would have liked that first opportunity this year in Seattle, but comes back um, and this week, man, I, I just I, I love these redemption stories. And for whatever reason, it feels like Seattle is the home to all the NFL's reclamation projects at quarterback right now. Right. It was Geno Smith first and now Drew Locke. Uh, I love these stories. It was a great interview by Lisa Salters, uh, kind of digging into the emotions that Drew Locke was feeling. I think we love those stories about the NFL. And and yeah, I mean, like when given the opportunity, he took his opportunity to grow. Right. And then using that growth, found a way to execute using the tools that we've always known he's had, Buck. Yeah, no, Red, I, I think it's a fascinating story. And I think the Seattle Seahawks might be on to something at the quarterback position when it comes to their reclamation projects. First, the success they had with Geno Smith. Then you look at the growth that Drew Locke has experienced. That might be the secret sauce for them going forward because maybe you're able to take talented quarterbacks on the cheap who didn't succeed in their first environment but you bring him in there and you're able to kind of get uh, a bargain player that has a lot of upside. For Drew Locke, for me, like, look, this is personal. Like, having met the kid when he was 17, he was a two-sport player, great basketball player in high school. So he hadn't really fully gone all the way in at quarterback and to watch him continue to develop through the ups and downs and to talk to him in the preseason. And he talked about his life being settled. He talked about being newly married and having a kid on the way. And he had just maturity about him. I think that post-game interview allowed us to see all of the growth that he's experienced. And when you 
kind of take care of business off the field. Naturally, the next tra- pr- progression is to take care of business on the field. And I think we're beginning to see that from Drew Locke. Yeah, I went back and looked through the notes, guys, coming into the draft. He was my 25th player. He was the 42nd pick. Uh, Buck mentioned that he was a big-time hoop star. And the first note that I have here is there are big-time throws. Um, he can really drive the ball. You know, the issues came where he forced the ball. He fell off throws, like mechanically, footwork-wise. He was just a little bit sloppy. So the grade that I gave him, and, and Buck, you'll be familiar with this, I gave him a 6.5 D. The D stands for development. Mm-hmm. He needed time of guys that come into the league. Some, you know, you're ready. He can start right away. I thought he would benefit from a lot of time. Now, he got uh, into the lineup relatively early in his career there in Denver. I remember one game against the Chargers, having been there uh, late in the season, where he led a comeback uh, and they ended up winning the ball game late. He's shown, I think this is like his third time uh, that he's had, you know, a late drive to win a ball game. So he's shown some, some poise and some clutch to his game there. So, Good for him getting his opportunity. We'll see what that means for his future. He at least opened some eyeballs um, that he'll get an opportunity to be a starter in this league again at some point in time. But I do want to flip it over to the Eagles side of things. And, Buck, I'll, I'll get this to you. The 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 last drive of the game, I went back and watched it and uh, was watching the All-22. And early on in that drive, they got some inside pressure. I think uh, Fletcher Cox had a pressure. Jalen Carter had a pressure. I think Sweat was able to get a little bit of pressure off the edge on, on one of them. Uh, but to me, this was about back foot throws. Like they, they aren't married up in terms of challenging receivers. And you should not be able to uncover like they were able to uncover in that situation. In other words, and I think Collinsworth even said on the broadcast, DK catches that slant on the run. He might score. It might have been a 70-yard touchdown or wherever they were on the field at that point in time. But it was low. He went down and got it. Uh, and made a catch. And then to get one-on-ones and have the ball go over your head twice, the big one to DK Metcalf, and then the touchdown uh, to Bradbury, you can speak to that as somebody who's played the position. Situationally, how in the world do you let somebody get beyond you uh, twice when they have 92 yards to march for a score? That doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm going to say this because I think that last drive kind of masked what I felt like was a nice debut performance for Matt Patricia as the defensive play caller. Matt Patricia comes over from New England, was just kind of like an analyst, just kind of helping. They made the move, Sean Desai. It's kind of booted and cast in a new role. Matt Patricia takes over as the play caller. So you saw more of the New England Patriots stuff, more man-to-man. But what they were doing, they were playing man-to-man from off as opposed to pressing and challenging. Now it makes sense. Darius slays out. James Bradbury becomes the new number one. He's playing off, and he is more of a zone corner than a man corner. And what you saw on those back-to-back big plays that he gave up, one, didn't backpedal, didn't challenge DK Metcalf, he runs by him. He then is lined up on JSN. Same situation, Drew Locks sees and identifies the coverage is going to be one-on-one. He says, I'm throwing you the pill, I'm going to throw it up. Bradbury didn't backpedal. Yeah. And so you would think that a veteran who has been in this league as long as he has would utilize some of the basic fundamentals to put himself in a position to win the down, and he didn't. Um, look, it's... It's poor execution, but I can't fault Matt Patricia for the plan because the plan allowed them to play much better defense than we have seen of late. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you just just look at the numbers overall in this game, I mean, they only give up 297 yards of total offense. Uh, I mean, you know, Drew Locke really came alive, you know, for sure on that last drive, but I mean, only threw the ball for 208 yards. They kept Kenneth Walker under 100, although he did average about four and a half a pop. Like Overall, pretty solid day for an NFL defense. I think you just kind of come back to, for me, 
we expect more out of the Eagles offense. And I know Jalen Hurts is, you know, battling the illness and battling, mm-hmm. um, you know, not practicing a bunch, you know, this week because of it. Um, but, you know, when he wasn't running the football, it just it just didn't look right. Um, and credit to Julian Love, who had a terrific game, uh, obviously had the terrific uh, interception to end the game, but then also had the one that uh, that stopped a potential scoring opportunity. Uh, that Jalen threw deep into the end zone, but it was a little bit underthrown, allowed Love to go up and make a play on it and stop the scoring opportunity there. Um, I just, I, I've come to expect a little bit more, you know, out of this Philly defense, or rather this Philly offense, you know, I mean, and if your defense gives up, you know, 20 points, you got to feel like this offense with the talent that it has, DJ, is, it should be capable of finding a way to win. Yeah, no doubt. And I think also one of the other takeaways is if you're Shane Steichen and you're making your case for coach of the year with the job you're doing with the Indianapolis Colts, maybe sneak some of these Philly games without you into that resume tape mm-hmm. as you're trying to uh, push for that for that for that title, because he is a phenomenal football coach. And I think you've seen it not only with what he's done in Indianapolis, you see the void there uh, that he left in Philadelphia. This does not look like you know, the same offense that we saw last year. Uh, DJ, real quick, go ahead, Buck. I think I think one thing that is always concerning or is always a temptation when you pay the quarterback the amount of money they pay. Sometimes you have a tendency to want to validate why you paid him what you paid him, and so this is a different style of offense than what made the Eagles successful last year and early this year with Jalen Hurts. They were running the football more. They were committed to being a grinded out football team, and I think sometimes some of the chirping from outside, AJ Brown, maybe Devontae Smith asking for more opportunities in the passing game, I think they've lost their way. When the Eagles get back to running the football, they can dominate teams. It's just that they are not in love with trying to run the football. And so I just wonder how many more losses will they take before Nick Sirianni says, hey, guys, let's go back to running the football because that's how we're built to play. Yeah, I mean, I thought they did a decent job of running it when you when you factor Jalen into the running game Jaylen this particular yeah. game. I mean, Swift, you know, Swift got loose a little bit. Gainwell was, was solid, but they couldn't. They're not just they're not scoring points. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like what you'd expect from this offense, it's not happening. Um, by the way, if you're listening to us, this won't make any sense to you. But if you're watching us, I just want to let you know, Rhett is in good health. It's maybe a little lack of lighting. That's why he looks green today. But he is healthy. Is not a concern. We do not need to add him to the prayer chain just yet. Um, I, your but, am I crazy? He looks green. He looks green today. What is going on here? Uh, Drew, producer Drew says it doesn't look normal. green on my end. It, yeah, he does look green on my end. I mean, it, maybe it's the, the, the TV, no, or the monitor uh-huh. that we have. But it Take doesn't look green. You look great, Brett. You look great. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll move the topic here. Uh, MVP odds. It is Brock Purdy at the very top of the list, followed by Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, and Christian McCaffrey. So if we're going to pick uh, an MVP, can I just – I want to get it to you, Rhett, with this tee up yeah, here. Yeah, sure. Do you ever remember a year when a quarterback was talked about for the MVP and we, we, uh, we were reserved in giving it to him because of the – talent around him like I'm trying to remember like I don't remember when Patrick Mahomes was up for an MVP saying I don't know he gets to throw to Tyree Kill and, and Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey like that's not I mean I don't know about that we've never done that before so why is everybody twisting uh mm-hmm. they're contorting trying to figure out ways not to say Brock Purdy's the MVP is what I'm getting at well they haven't got they haven't gone back and watched the throws that Purdy has made this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, for me, I, I think that Lamar Jackson is is kind of neck and neck with what Brock Purdy has done. And we'll, I'll get to Lamar in a second. But 
Purdy paints it everywhere, man. Like his 20 to 30 yard down the field layered throw over the middle. It's like, it's majestic. It's like if you're ever in like a surf shop and they've got those those videos on loop on those TVs, it's like the surfer that hits that perfectly cresting wave through the tunnel. Like that's what that ball looks like floating over the second level right into the arms of a of a 49ers receiver running in stride. It's It's just a thing of beauty. Um, I mean, like he does that and then like he'll hit those quarter routes, those deep outs. I mean, it's it's just I don't know how you look at that, how you watch those games. You see him getting pressure, taking hits and still delivering strikes on the money, you know, to Kittle and Sammy. And I, I get it. It's a ter- they've got a terrific system. They've got a terrific plays, but it doesn't work if he's not making these money throws that he's making here. And they're not easy layups like these are high difficult, high degree of difficulty throws, and he is just absolutely painted right down the strike zone. Um, it's so much fun to sit and watch, especially like from the end zone copy. Um, it's just like to watch the trajectory of that ball and just, to, I mean, it's it, it's beautiful. Um, and then I'll say the thing about Lamar Jackson, though, that kind of gives him, you know, some real credence here is the pizzazz. Like he's obviously got the electricity uh, when he can make some of those same throws, but do it by you know, shedding a defender that's rushing by dipping under one, spinning out of a tackle. Um, and I, I will tell you this, I'd love to get, you know, Bucky and DJ, I'd love to get your thoughts on this too with Lamar. Um, and then you guys can obviously come back to Purdy too, because I do think this is a two-man race here. He is hitting those corners, those deep sail routes, those outs, those throws outside the numbers, I think more than we've ever seen in his career. Like in some of those deep throws down the sideline too, the stuff that's not in the middle of the field where we saw it so oftentimes early in his career. Mm-hmm. Bucky, I feel like he's doing that even more than we've seen uh, in, in years past. Yeah, I think this is a fascinating case study for both quarterbacks in the MVP discussion, Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson respectively, because I think the biggest thing surrounding both of their candidacies is uh, how we perceive them to be coming into the draft. So many of us, like, uh, that, that kind of do what we do when we talk about analyzing draft prospects and then the outside world where we have this casual uh, draft subculture where we talk about what prospects are going to be at the next level. We can't get past what those grades were when those guys were in college. And so you talk about Lamar Jackson, who many didn't think would be a franchise quarterback because stylistically he was different than the traditional quarterback. And it's hard to kind of like give him credit for being a little different than we thought he would be at the next level. And so because some of us are so married to our grades, we kind of want him to come back to how we viewed him prior to entering the league. And I think a lot of it really falls on Brock Purdy too, because Brock Purdy was taken in the seventh round, the last pick, Mr. Irrelevant. How can he be a franchise quarterback? That's why we're hearing these outside conversations, game manager versus game changer, which I would say is a take on our trucks versus trailers. You can't figure out how to properly categorize Brock Purdy because yes, uh, the stuff around him is great, but he doesn't appear to be pulling it. But then if that was the case, when other quarterbacks were running that offense, they would have had success running like Brock and that's not the case. Right. So we need to give him his due for being, look, a perfect fit in that offense. And people don't like to talk about system quarterbacks or whatever. But the best players thrive in the systems that they play in. And that is what Brock Purdy does. So he should be the MVP based on how well he's performed and how that offense looks when he's under center. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll wrap the wrap up the topic here. I do. I I think that Brock Purdy should be the MVP. I'm glad you mentioned Lamar Jackson. Christian McCaffrey's going to get a lot of love uh, for the season he's had. Tyreek Hill, you know, even uh, having missed a game, is still going to get a chance to run down 2,000 yards or get close to it. Good candidates. To me, Brock Purdy's the winner, and Lamar Jackson should be the runner-up. Because think about this one stat here. 18 drop passes by Ravens receivers this year. 18. If you catch some of those balls, I know the Pittsburgh game specifically, that's at least one more win in your column. Now we're talking about the Ravens as the best team in not only their conference, but in football. And he's the quarterback of the best team. I think that would have changed the narrative a little bit around that. And you'd have uh, even some more love for Lamar Jackson. Nothing you can do about it. When you put the ball right on, guys, they don't catch it. Um, it is what it is. But I think those are the two guys as we come down the stretch here. And the great thing is we get to see them play each other. Uh, so that'll be fascinating yes. to see what that looks like uh, when they're sharing the same field. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to jump into the rookie draft. Do this each and every week. Uh, we'll see where we're at. I think Bucky had a good week. Uh, we'll get to that right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Holiday Classic is back on NFL Network. This Christmas Eve, watch a special Sunday night of primetime football as the Patriots and the Broncos light up the night. The NFL Holiday Classic, Christmas Eve, live at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on NFL Network and streaming on NFL+. Plus. All right, let's get to this rookie draft. Let's see, uh, let's see what happened last week. Uh, Buck has been on a tear. He picks up six points, so he gets two wins the running back and the receiver position with Jameer Gibbs and with Jordan Addison both having huge games. A ret, solid second place there in each category with Levis, Achan, and Nakua. Yeah, and then I geez. just got three points off Aiden O'Connell uh, leading a 63-point barrage against the Chargers and nothing with Bijan and Zay Flowers there. So Bucky has scored 23 of the possible 48 points the last four weeks. He is right back in it. He's in second place. He's overtaken Rhett. He's nipping at my heels. Um, so we are, uh, we're, we're in a contest here, guys. Uh, but before we get to this week's draft, I, I want to get into this discussion about one of the guys that gets picked every week. He's usually been one of the, either the first or second pick and uh, coming off his worst game of the year and playing for, I think, one of the more disappointing offenses in the NFL. That's B. John Robinson and the Atlanta Falcons. And before we get into what we think is wrong with this group, uh, let's hear from head coach Arthur Smith on his thoughts. We're not where we want to be. We've lost some close games. Um, but it's not over, and we will die trying to make sure we get this right and just go win this game, and let's see what happens. Well, uh, anytime death comes into play when you're talking about uh, football, it's probably not a great thing. Uh, Buck, when you look at this team offensively, they just made another quarterback switch. Looks like Heineke's going to start this week. It's been kind of a, a bounce-around mm-hmm. situation at that position. Are you going to – are we looking at this and saying it's just simply they, they stink at quarterback? Uh, or, or what are the other issues with this offense? There's way too many other good players for them to be this bad. Yeah, they have way too many uh, good players for them to be this bad. But, but DJ, it's hard when you have to work around a quarterback who has limitations. 
it, it prevents you from getting to all the weapons that you have. And yeah, we can throw bubble screens and give the ball to the running backs, but your quarterback is the biggest driving force in terms of what you're able to do offensively. And because they haven't, um, they don't have a high level quarterback in Desmond Ritter or Tyler Heineke at quarterback, they're not able to really get to the back pages of the playbook. And so until they fix the quarterback position, we really don't know what the potential of this offense could be. And I know Arthur Smith has been a good play call. He's a good play call in Tennessee. He's shown flash of being a good play call in Atlanta. But I think the quarterback issue has prevented him from f- fully getting into his bag as a play caller. Yeah, man, I would like to think that too, right? I mean, because you look at Bijan Robinson, uh, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, 15 total touches for less than 75 total yards. Um, Tyler Algier had more touches than Bijan, London, and Pitts combined. Now, Tyler Algier is a good player. Like, he played well last mm. year, and that's fine. But I think, so if we're not going to use Bijan that way, then like, why did you spend the top 10 pick on it, I guess, is part of the issue. And when you go back and look at it, I mean, Bichon had a 10-yard, ripped a 10-yard run, first carry of the game. And you're like, all right, off and running. Well, his next, like, four carries went for a loss uh, and then fumbled on either his last carry or second-to-last carry. And so you're just like, golly, man, it's hard to get that thing off the ground. They're getting pushed back, DJ. That offensive line, which is almost Mm -hmm. entirely, if I'm not mistaken, homegrown draft picks from Atlanta, they can't get any push. And so I, I think it's it's hard sometimes to keep feeding that to Bijan when when you know he wants to break one loose and you're having to exercise all that patience. It's just not happening. I think it's a collective issue, not just playmaker, not just quarterback, but I think you got to look at the offensive line too. Yeah, there's no room. Uh, I went back and watched all those runs for the last two weeks, and there's I mean, I, I'm sitting there watching this going. I don't know what you want him to do. I mean, you can see him getting frustrated, and sometimes I was looking for it, you know, through the prism of okay, sometimes young backs, even talented ones, are home run happy, mm-hmm. right? So they're not taking the yeah, three Saquon. and the fours. Yeah. They're always hunting. Yeah, they're they're hunting the 40s and 50s. Yeah, Saquon Barkley is a good example of that. I didn't see that with B. John Robinson. I saw I saw guys get knocked back. I saw just the lack of space, and, and there's nothing really there for him. But you go back and look at the numbers, guys. Last year, 159 yards, uh, almost 160 on the ground per game. This year, they're at 126. Last year, they averaged 21.5 points per game. This year, they're at 18.4 points per game you know I it's interesting when you look at it and and you can put the majority of the blame to me on the quarterback position they've got to get better there that's priority number one they've got to solve that position going into next year that's obvious right but they've also got to put together you know personnel that matches kind of what they're doing and be able to feature in these guys because they have real players and they've got to have something that fits better it just is disjointed when you watch it doesn't really build off of each other you got an offensive line that to me is more of a finesse offensive line that you're trying to see them knock guys off the ball, which they do not do. Um, they, they've got some issues there uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. And Buck, the, the other side of this, and I want to get to this real quick before we get to the to the draft. I know we got to keep going here. But when we've talked about running backs in the past, and we've been doing it for a decade, we have said we're not anti-drafting mm-hmm. a running back high in the draft. But what we've said is don't waste a running back's carries. In other words, have a finished team and then mm-hmm. be able to drop the running back in so that all of his carries matter. Christian McCaffrey, great example. He goes to the 49ers. They're a finished team. Drop him in there. He might. He's in the MVP list. We just talked about him as a top five MVP mm-hmm. candidate. But it wouldn't make as much sense for Christian McCaffrey to be on a bad football team. 
So I, I don't know. Maybe they thought right. they were more complete than they were when they took Bijan Robinson. But clearly right now you're looking at a team that maybe should have gone in another direction, even knowing that this was one of the best players in the entire draft. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I think they obviously were fooled by last year's success running the football. Remember, this team ran the football on everybody. Uh, Tyler Aziers was a good player, but Cordero Patterson was backing him up. And so you're thinking, I'm getting an upgrade over both of those running backs behind an offensive line last year that create push. So something has changed this year in terms of the personality and the effectiveness and the execution up front that has prevented them from being that physical team that Arthur Smith envisions. The other part of it is Jonu Smith and Kyle Pitts and Drake London and the players that they have outside are terrific individual talents. But for whatever reason, the scheme, the compliments in the passing game don't match what they're doing in the running game. And the quarterback is unable to elevate either aspect. And so we can talk about those parts. But when you have a better player, maybe a more dynamic player at the position that maybe has some run pass capabilities, maybe just maybe the quarterback, a new quarterback will unlock some of the potential that the rest of the offense has. Yeah, and I'm going back through and looking at some of these previous drafts. Look, they take Drake London. The quarterback in that draft was Kenny Pickett, and the way Kenny Pickett's kind of been up and down, you can look at that and say, okay, well, I don't, you know, I don't fault him for that, you know, yeah. making that decision and, and bypassing Kenny Pickett. You go back to 2021, they took Kyle Pitts, um, and then, you know, that was the one where they got a lot of criticism because you had Justin Fields there. Um, who would have been, you know, hometown guy, but just Justin Fields in a position where his team might be moving on from him as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, whether or not they had a chance to try and get aggressive and try and make, you know, Lamar Jackson happen um, or, or trading for some mm -hmm. veteran, uh, being bold and aggressive in some other, you know, some other area. I don't know what opportunities really presented themselves there. We may never know. But uh, I know one thing. They can't enter next year with the group they have at that position right now. They, they've got to go out and find one. So that's going to be their charge. Uh, all right, let's get to the rookie draft here. Uh, this week, Buck, you are up first. You've been kicking butt. You're, uh, you're closing the gap here. Uh, you're up first, followed by Rhett, and then I'll, I'll bat in the three-hole today. So go ahead, man. You're up. Well, yeah, this is one of the more difficult decisions to do because you've got to have a little faith that the guy that I'm picking, C.J. Stroud, is going to be able to come back out of concussion protocol. But I'm going to take him number one. Uh, quarterback's the most important position on the field. Need to get a dub with C.J. Stroud leading the way. Okay, so going quarterback there, um, I don't know uh, mm. what Will Levis's situation is. Um, I guess Aiden mm. O'Connell is probably the safest bet there. You got the, although Green mm. Bay Packers defense has definitely made some quarterbacks uh, feel better about themselves in recent weeks. So Bryce Young might be an interesting choice uh, as they get set to welcome the Packers on Christmas Eve. But uh, I'm going to go with the sure thing here, and I'm going to take Jameer Gibbs, who's been an absolute stud at the running back spot for the Lions, oh. taking on the Vikings in a big-time matchup right there. So give me Jameer Gibbs. All right. Wow. I, I like that. Um, wow. All right. Let's see here. Where am I going to go next? I, all right. I'm going to go because I want a little uh, I want a little viewing pleasure on Thursday, uh, the Thursday night game, and I've got the Rams and the Saints there. Give me Puka Nakua uh, with my first one. Oh. And then I will come back. Let's see here. Ooh. Oh, man. I got to. He doesn't oh, like this God. for you. He's stealing your anxiety right now. Oh, I, I don't know. I yeah, mean, I don't know. That I, like, uh, I don't know that I like my Aiden O'Connell pick at Kansas City. <laughs> oh, got to say, I don't love that one. So I think I'm going to avoid that. I'm, I'm a. Uh, 
Is it possible to do an entire section on how disappointing the Atlanta Falcons offense has been and then come right back and take Bijan Robinson with take my Bijan. next pick? Yeah. Yeah. Right it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. taking Bijan, Brett. Okay. Well, oh. man, it's um, oh. uh-huh. yeah. I think it's uh-huh. uh, I think it's time to take what a quarterback. Doing? Like I think uh, I think there's just no other <laughs> way around it. <laughs> I I, just, I don't know what else I could do here. I think there's plenty more options as the pass catchers go. So yeah, you don't have to take, take Bryce Young here. Bucky's not taking this one. Weekend. You didn't have yeah, to take one. He took one. Strub. Yeah. Yeah, so he's not, you can wait till your next pick because I don't pick again. I mean, it's you're right, right, I'll let you go. Mistakes. Come on, we're going. Yeah, you he's can't coach your team in. Come on, let's go back there. Taking Bryce Young. Right, that's a flaw. Oh, okay, that's a well, cool. Pick. But go ahead, Buck. You get back to backers. Oh, I love this. So now, look, man, Jordan Addison has treated me so well. We got to take him again. We're going to put him in there. So we're going to take him right off the board. And now I have to find a running back of my liking. I like what Zach Charbonnet did, but... I feel like I need to go big. Uh, can I can I go A chain? Can I go A chain? Maybe to just somehow find a way to just put some points uh-huh. on the board and, and do something fantastic. Um, and that 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 bit role that he has, I like. Yeah, it. you can. I like it. And then um, it's me again, right? Yes. I'm going to go Laporta. Sammy Laporta is going to be my pass catcher. So going heavy on the Lions here. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, can tight ends be included? Hold up. Wait a minute. Yeah. This is a wide receiver thing. What? What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we've been whoa, doing pass catchers for like the past seven no, weeks. Porter's a tight end. Yeah, we, we he's a tight end. Catch. What are we doing? Weeks, Buck. Our, uh, 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 mm. We've been doing this like six can, weeks. Can I protest? Come on. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Well, this is the rules Sorry, we've bud. been playing by. This is not new. Yeah. Oh, I think I've taken Kincaid several times. What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, he's in last place. Where tight end weeks? I thought. Come on. No, You're fine. Know. I mean, You're like fine. Dude, he always has something. He's like Bill Belichick. He always has, like, whatever the rules are, it's always to the line. Kind of like, what? I didn't know it was a you know what? Catcher. What? what am I doing? <laughs> I am going to exercise by the, by the all options available to me. Uh, the by the way, last week there was a tweet. I, can't, I cannot remember who sent it out, but it was uh, when uh, Aiden O'Connell was playing Easton Stick. Somebody said... Aiden and Easton sounds like uh, like two kids that you have to go pick up at like daycare that have been uh, that that you that people have been watching like Aiden Easton come on over um, I'm gonna oh, yeah. stick with Aiden O'Connell he was good to me last week I'm gonna go back to him this week uh, see if he can get me some more points I don't love the matchup against the Chiefs but maybe we get some garbage points late there you never know uh, I will uh, I will roll with that one all right that's it that's gonna that's gonna do it for today uh, but don't worry we'll be right back tomorrow again we've got I believe six podcasts this week so uh, not your standard five we'll give you a little bonus one here as we march towards uh, Christmas here so appreciate you guys hanging with us and we'll see you right back here tomorrow on move the sticks You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.